the problem is is affordability really when you look at it everybody likes to throw around the term organic but at the end of the day is it affordable for everybody our goal is to try to close the gap on that that was Trevor Horn, director of the Mid-Ohio Food Collective. And on this episode, he'll share about his work at the Mid-Ohio Farm Center and their mission to ensure equal access to fresh food for Central Ohioans. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the conversation. Um, I am grateful to be alongside my co-host, uh, Rachel Daniels, um, with the Educational Service Center of Central Ohio. Uh, and again, my name is John Hambrick, and we are very grateful uh, to continue these dynamic conversations. And today, um, holy cow, we've got Trevor Horn with us. Uh, Trevor is the farm director at the Mid-Ohio Food Collective. And he has got some just incredible things happening. Um, so, Trevor, we're just going to start right in. Can you tell us about the exciting things happening at the Mid-Ohio Farm Center and how that fits in with the overall arching goals of the Mid-Ohio Food Collective? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, John, for having me. I'm really excited to be a part of this podcast. Um, we've got really some exciting things going on. Uh, talking about the collective in general, um, there's just a couple couple uh, ideas of the direction that people might have a misconception on of the local area. Well, about a year ago, um, the title has changed from the Middle Ohio Food Bank to the Middle Ohio Food Collective because we've actually decided to focus on five different pillars. So the first pillar is the food bank system, uh, things that have been placed since the uh, 1980. So almost uh, 43 years now has the collective been working on supporting the community and helping uh, feed, feed, feed the area. Uh, we also have the pharmacy, which is focused on healthcare. We've got the kitchen. So we're, we're doing uh, school lunches for students, as an example, in the summertime, breakfast, lunch, and getting out to the communities for some of the reti retired folks as well. And then we've got markets where people can actually come through and they're treating it like it would be a grocery store concept. And then last but not least, what, what my ranger responsibilities for is the farm pillar. So you mentioned the uh, the farm in, in its perspective of the area we're working on the west side um, of the city of Columbus. And the cool thing about this is, is that it's an urban growing setting. So we have seven acres in that one specific area. We also farm 2.7 acres behind NBC4 News Studio, just off of Lantangy. And at our headquarters themselves, we've got education gardens that are designed for demonstration to help support people either learning how to grow in their homes or teaching teachers how to teach it in the classroom. So a lot of a uh, lot of arms that branch out throughout the community. For us, the main focus is definitely growing in agriculture. Trevor, could you talk to us a little bit about what your vision is for the farm over the next few years? Yes. So we've got some really great um, plans in the works actually happening as we speak, but we we hone in on four different aspects of focus uh, where we want to really support the community. First one, obviously, when, from a farming standpoint, is production. How much food can we grow? Um, our motto here at The Collective is make every acre count as far as agriculture is concerned. And we're doing our best to maximize our yield and, and, and production um, to help support what those markets look like. So all the food that we grow does go into the pantries. It helps support the kitchens themselves. And it just closed the gaps between the distance the farm uh, the food travels from the farm to the table. 
The second aspect of that we hone in on is sustainability. So we can grow food, but can we grow good, more nutritionally dense food? We partner with our pharmacy uh, pillar on this aspect just to make sure that we can start talking to people a little bit more about why they're eating those specific foods. Why, for example, uh, a head of lettuce is a, a better purchase as opposed to buying uh, canned green beans, let's say, as an example. So we're really focusing on the nutrition piece, um, but the sustainability pillar is how it's raised. So we've got a uh, U-Pick orchard that's being planted as we speak. And it really talks about the idea that we can close the gap again between how far that food travels and to the table of our uh, surrounding neighbors. At NBC4, we've got uh, Riverview International Center, which is a, a partnership with for new Americans. And those individuals have access to a community garden, which we've developed over this fall. And they'll have access to those U-Pick orchards as well. We're looking at growing in the ground um, more frequently. And that means we have to build our soil. So we hone in on the microbiomes uh, and the science behind how uh, we can better provide those nutritionally dense foods. Um, the better we take care of the soil, the better end product is as far as produce is concerned. So that touches it a little bit. We talk about water usage. And we also fo focus a little bit on how we can compost and uh, regenerate our soil using scraps to keep some out of the, uh, to keep food out of the landfill. They say 40% of our food is wasted across the country. Uh, we hope to capture that and at least minimum feed people with that 40% of waste, but actually feed our soil and uh, that turn making us a little bit more sustainable as far as not having to buy fertilizers and things of that sort. A major aspect of it is outreach too. It's bringing people around in the community to help support the growth um, and the idea that agriculture can be studied and it's always evolving. So outreach for us is uh, incorporating local companies. We're actually working together with Ohio Earth Foods, which is a local organic uh, soil amendment company. And we're, we're really partnering together in our warehouse division um, with Earth Peaks Organics, which is a aerobic digesting composting company right out of Dublin. They're gonna capture our food scraps. And last year there was roughly a million pounds of food that went to the landfill. This year we plan on capturing that food waste, sending it over to Earth Peaks Organics, they'll make compost for us in less than 24 hours, and then we'll utilize it on our farm. So we're really closing the gap between the food waste piece uh, and focusing on that sustainability pillar. Most important to us is education. So for us, yes, we can produce food and we can get a certain amount of poundage, um, what that looks like as we expand and grow our, in our growing spaces. But what's the learning process behind it, right? We, we plan to incorporate um, opportunities for learning not only to support biodiversity in these specific spaces in our soil, but also pollinator-friendly areas. Um, we're teaching about the idea that there's such an important aspect of making those good choices with food and how it impacts our environment. Um, you know, across the board, the idea is, is if we can get as many people involved, the more we learn, the better we are at it, and the more precise we are at utilizing our natural resources to be better environmental stewards. My brain is filled with so many follow-up questions, but I'm going to land on this one. Um, unlike my colleague, John, who's been to uh, your sites, including the farm and Channel 4, and has sort of been able to see this these masterpieces in person, could you give me and our listeners just a visual description of what we might see when we come to the farm, uh, what a person might expect, you know, sort of as they pull up and I, I hear you have some unique structures and, and sort of points of interest. So just want to give 
give a moment for you to give us some descriptions to paint a picture for our listeners. Absolutely. So out at our mid-Ohio farm on the hilltop, um, we've got that seven acres that I mentioned earlier. As you park in our uh, parking structure, you'll walk in through the main multi-purpose building. Inside that multi-purpose building is a wide open space. People keep asking me through construction, what is your approach? What are, what are your plans? In my mind, I like to envision a nature center. Um, in our minds of focusing on the idea behind a horticulture, but horticulture based on food production. So there'll be many different ways in the landscaping that we can identify perennial plants, native species, and edible growing. Um, and it'll be right on the forefront in some of those parking parking spots. We've had discussions about putting fruit trees in the parking lot. We're planning and mapping that out with our landscaping design team. And my team at the farm will be able to support um, that aspect of making sure people see things grown for the first time potentially in their lives, especially in an urban setting. So inside that multi-purpose building, we'll have 10 different learning stations that we've designed and set up specifically to the idea of environmental stewardship, as I'd mentioned. There will be a, a station where people can learn about soil. There'll be a station where they can learn about water quality, air quality, and composting, vermicomposting potentially, and then focus on pollinators throughout the space. We are working on a grant currently that will allow us to develop a mobile uh, science lab and working together with the Corn and Wheat uh, Association and the Soy Council through education projects, Grow Next Gen and Feed the World. We're working on being able to teach people not only the agriculture piece, but why those large commodity agriculture um, practices are important as far as ethanol creation, livestock feed, and potentially other opportunities for biofuels. So we'll be working on some workshops there to incorporate learning. We also have a demonstration kitchen that is a replica of people's homes so that they can come in and learn more about how to cook specific items. For example, we might teach them how to make pasta from scratch and then utilize the tomatoes they grow to make a sauce or pizza sauce or whatever they might choose um, to create so that they are actually learning how to eat nutritionally dense food that tastes good at the same time. Once you walk out of our main multi-purpose building, there'll be an event space. Um, throughout the area, again, will be perennial and native uh, species landscaping, um, mostly edible, as long as we can uh, support in that space in an urban setting is our goal. Um, you'll see a couple different growing systems. There's a vertigrow towers, which will allow you to grow 20 heads of lettuce in a foot by foot square radius. We also have another innovative concept coming to the table called garden socks, which is a, a compost filled stocking that will allow us to use 70% less water and grow higher nutritionally dense foods while testing the soil and being able to uh, be precise with its additives. Um, to the left, when you walk in, which would be on the east side of the property, we have three uh, very large greenhouses that will be focused on future farming practices with controlled environmental systems. So hydroponics, some uh, aeroponics, and other smart ways that we can uh, use technology and teach technology to be better and more precise growers. We've got three high tunnels, which are outside growing areas that allow us to extend our growing season a little further, which we'll be experimenting in with other uh, more uh, innovative growing processes as well. So it's an exciting space. There's a lot of opportunity there. And as we grow through the next couple of years of phases, um, we're, we're hoping to create better partnerships with the community, um, invite everybody from the west side of the city and the particular area to either help support from a volunteer standpoint 
or just come out and learn and have a nice, clean, safe environment um, for everybody to kind of just collaborate and get a chance to meet one another. That sounds fantastic. And John, you have to take me with you on your next trip out. Okay. Absolutely. And Trevor, holy cow, you, you're, you're laying the, a really great picture of what um, educators, students, community members are going to experience um, when they come out to the farm. Uh, so thanks for laying that out. Um, and, and you've got a lot of excitement around um, how you're engaging with the with the community. Um, I'm kind of curious between the you know the three different areas that um, the the farm is impacting. Is is there a particular obstacle that you had to overcome to make sure that you can get to where you're at today? Um, and then how is that going to positively impact um, our students, our educators, and our community members? That's a great question. Um, every day there are a multitude of, of hurdles as, as we go through. I think just like anyone could tell you who's been a part of STEM or STEAM type learning, where innovation is in the forefront of it, anytime you're creating something from scratch, there's no model, right? So from my perspective, you know, in my vision, there's always going to be hiccups along this run. And I tell my team this frequently, it's like, enjoy the journey because there's going to be all kinds of, of bumps and, and we'll, we'll obtain some bruises and we're going to have to sway in different directions, whether it's funding from certain aspects of things or whether it's getting people to understand why this is important, right? Um, traditionally on that West side, people were expecting uh, lower income housing or affordable home, homes for them to live. And when they found out that we're returning it into a farm, I think it might've ruffled some feathers in that specific area. Lately, we've been working with other groups and hosting meetings to talk about why this is important. So ultimately, at the end of the day, when you talk about challenges and hurdles, it's our food system in a state that it's in currently at this point in time. Uh, I won't vilify fast food restaurants or anything along the lines of that because they create jobs, but accessibility has sort of tricked the American consumer. Um, and at the end of the day, um, producers give the consumers what they ask for and where they're spending their money. The goal here and the biggest hurdle to ask, if you ask me, is to make sure that people understand why it's valuable, why that we need to keep continuing to focus on agriculture and bettering agriculture practices, right? As uh, population increases, as we're at 8 billion right now, and it's skyrocketing towards 10 billion by 2050, we have to figure out ways where people are going to live in a spot where they're going to where we're gonna provide houses and then where we're going to grow our food, right? So the challenge really is to get the, the general consumer to understand the importance of this, um, knowing that making better choices with food will ask producers to give them better choices of food as opposed to convenient based foods. The problem is, is affordability, really, when you look at it. Everybody likes to throw around the term organic, but at the end of the day, is it affordable for everybody? Our goal is to try to close the gap on that. We're not planning on saying we're organic growing. We're going to say as organic as possible. And that means that we're focusing on, again, water quality, focusing on our, our, our insecticides and pesticides that are used in the growing process and making sure that we're just really providing, you know, environmental safe practices of, of growing um, nutritionally dense foods. So what that looks like, it could be tomatoes, it can be cucumbers, it could be uh, lettuce greens that we're, we're getting down pretty well. We're going to throw strawberries out there. Our apple orchards will all be focused on soil biomes. Um, and again, the real problem is, is getting the general public to understand that we have to make some changes. So the only way, in my opinion, we can do that is through education 
it's starting children off at a young age, knowing that a tomato from the garden tastes much better than the tomato from the grocery store. Uh, same way with strawberries. If they like strawberries, you should taste the ones that grow out of our garden socks as we focus on the soil to make sure that they are the most nutritionally dense and they're the sweetest based off the glucose levels that can be created uh, by supporting the biome, right? All super science stuff that we, we aim to teach people about. But the most important thing, and I can't emphasize it enough, is educating the communities of why this matters. That's amazing. Thanks. I cannot wait to taste those strawberries. Um, I'm just telling you right now, but uh, I'm I'm grateful that you're here uh, and we're able to utilize this platform to broaden the educational component of this. So, Rachel. So, Trevor, we're coming to the spot in our podcast where we're nearing the end. And I want to wrap this up um, with a call to action. Um, I just can hear sort of that impassioned plea and what you just shared with us around the value of students and adults and all stakeholders really understanding uh, where food comes from, the value of food, the value in having knowledge around growing our own food and, and just sort of having a more broad understanding around the such you know important necessity in our lives. So could you wrap us up by talking to us about what ways schools can get involved in this project? Absolutely. At The Collective, we believe food is health. So we could start from school cafeterias and supporting what growth might look like um, in looking to know that students eat there twice a day at a minimum, right? Whether it's their own school lunches or whether it's breakfast that were, were provided at the school or, or from home, right? So that that is one aspect that one thing that everybody in education and every person has in common is the food piece. Um, we, we look forward to hosting uh, field trips potentially as we get set up later in the spring um, at the end of the school year, but then looking at some uh, summer programming being created as well. We don't just want to focus on sticking around in our facility. We plan to take our show on the road. So we, we're working on a five-day program or opportunities for people to, to, or for our team to outreach in the winter months, specifically when we're growing less. Uh, we're looking to, for partnerships for each of our farm techs to be in a classroom uh, once a week, minimally, throughout the months of, you know, end of November, into December and January, um, just because it's the right thing to do as far as starting starting to build connections with the students. Um, in my six years of teaching post-kitchens, uh, my students can only listen to me so much, right? It's always nice to bring somebody else into the picture who is in the field, who is an industry professional that can provide those students with opportunities to learn about not only careers, but the science that goes into the agriculture fields, um, anywhere we can implement agriculture into a biology class, into a, a environmental science, a physics, a chemistry class, you'd be surprised how it all links together. Um, and that's our aspect is how can we teach teachers as well to teach ag in their schools as much as we can. There's such a big difference between, or a big gap between the idea of where the food comes from and actually it hitting the table. Um, in my prior life in, in kitchens before education, part of my role was to do some recruiting and build teams in kitchens. And I would ask people specific questions like, where would you source your spinach from? And they'd be like, uh, the back of the truck, right? And I'm like, well, where does it come from, right? And these are aspiring chefs and culinarians so to me, it's like, do you know that spinach farmer? Do you know what part of the country it comes from? Do you know if it even comes from our country? And so that is just a huge, a huge piece. If you go to the farmer's market, you have direct face-to-face -face contact with who's growing your food. And not a lot of people do that these days. There are a lot of people who are trying to, 
But, you know, cost in, in the supply and demand chain going to a grocery store is much more convenient. And there's no face that comes with that spinach. You know, there's no face to the, to the protein cuts of meat that we get in the butcher's uh, section. So for me, if we can really outreach as much as we can, it would be to take the show on the road, to get into classrooms, just implement and support teachers. Teachers need a lot of support. Um, there's so much. That's an understatement, especially on this podcast, right? Um, but there's so much that can be done that's outside, but actually fits into objectives of curriculum, right? Agriculture is the connecting piece. It connects all four aspects of major curriculum between English, science, history, and uh, math, right? They're all involved with food in some some aspects. So if we can close the dots and start collaboration as much as possible, that's what we're really aiming to do. Trevor, I think the underpinning that you're sharing that keeps circulating in my head is that what food means for me is hope. And when you're teaching these lessons about food to students, you're bringing hope for the future. And um, for that reason, I just find the work you're doing to be so uplifting. Uh, we want to thank you, John and I want to thank you for joining us here today on the conversation. Um, all of the resources that are mentioned will be linked in our podcast description. Thanks to our listeners for joining in with us. And we hope that you will continue to follow our journey here on the conversation. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.